Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. Good morning. Aaron, are you in the house? Come on up here. He's in the back row. Come on up here, bro. Can you give that word that you feel like the Lord gave me? Can you give it again with the heart that you gave it the first? <laughs> um, yeah, you might see a 33-year-old blonde guy cry, so if that happens, just roll with it. Jesus did too, so it's okay. Um, <clears throat> I was praying when we were worshiping and um, just kind of opening my heart to what God would say. And without editorializing on either side, I think we can all probably agree there's a lot going on in the world now. Wherever you fall, whatever it is, I think we can all agree there's a lot going on. And I felt like God was just saying, um, when he looks down on you, when he looks down on the world, when he searches your heart, um, it was real simple. He just said, am I going to see a heart full of hatred or am I going to see a heart full of love? And that's all he was asking. Amen. Yes. Aaron, have you been over to my house? No, you hadn't been to my house. Did you look at my notes? No, you didn't look at my notes. We didn't give you any. What a great way to start this message. In this world of trouble, when God looks down... Is he going to find a heart that is full of love or a heart that's full of hate? You know, one of my biggest challenges right now is learning to love like God loves. I mean, I can love. You know, I love my wife. I mean, she's pretty easy to love, but I, I, I love her beyond measure. Mess with my boy, and I'll have your head. <laughs> I'll bring some pastoral care to your house. <laughs> my daughter, my grandchildren, you know, we know how to love. We just don't know how to love like God loves. And I'm learning. But I want to be better. Don't you? God's got a message for us this morning. And he's going to use this man. To bring it. And I'm going to start with Genesis chapter 9. And I'm going to read verses 21 through 24. This is the weirdest scripture for me until this moment. Until I began to study this particular attribute of God. I just thought, that why in the world is this particular scripture in the Bible, because <laughs> it's just strange, but it's, it happens after the flood, after, right after they see the rainbow for the first time, right? It's the first time a rainbow's ever existed. They see the rainbow, and it's a covenant with God that says, I'll never destroy the earth this same way, and, they, and then it says, and so Noah and his sons, they became farmers. And Noah got drunk. 
<laughs> they became farmers and Noah got drunk. So don't become a farmer. No, that's not the, that's not the message. I don't think it is. So funny. Let me read 20. Let me see if we can kind of. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and became drunk. And he laid naked in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. And then Shem and Japheth took a garment, they laid it on both their shoulders, and they walked them backwards, and they covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and, and they did not see their father's nakedness. And when Noah awoke his, from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. That doesn't even seem strange that he went in and saw his father's nakedness and then went and blabbed his mouth. I mean, that seems pretty normal. Daddy's in there drunk. He's naked, laying on the bed. That's what we think, isn't it? But what you see is you see a totally different response from the other two brothers. They refuse to look on their father's sin. And the picture of humility here is absolutely amazing. They would not even make eye contact. They didn't even come into the room forward. They walked into the room backwards, one having a robe in the uh, one side of a sheet and the other having the other, and they walked up and they covered their father without even looking upon him. And they covered up his sin. It's a message to the church. And it's a challenge to the preacher that we're to cover each other's sins. We're not to go blabbing our mouth and saying, Have you seen such and such as sin? Did you know such and such is in sin? Or, or, or to somehow lose patience or tolerance with them because of their sin. How many of you, like me, are tired of hearing that we as the church should be more tolerant? Anybody? Anybody tired? Well, I'm sick of it. But I don't think God is. See, the difference between me and God is I'm sick of the the whole idea that I need to be tolerant of somebody else's condition. In a world that looks like it's going to a hell, hell in a handbasket, that I'm supposed to be more tolerant. But the call of God and the nature of God and the love of God is tolerant. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 8. And he's talking to the church and he's talking to us and he says this. If you don't get anything else right, if, if you don't do anything else, if you, if you 
if you have this idea of what you're going to do or how you're supposed to respond or, you know, you've got this, you've got this list of ideas of, of what would be good. He says the first on the list, above everything else, above all things, have fervent love for one another. That word fervent actually means boiling over, to boil. Have this boiling, fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Love covers sin. You know, I used to think when I heard that passage of Scripture that, that it was talking about Jesus, and it is. But it's not limited to Jesus. It is the command of God for the church that we, that we would be a representative of the love of God, that we would present the nature of and the character of God. And so we're to love one another. Why? Because love covers sin. It doesn't expose it. So the first thing we need to know is that love covers sin. Now think about this for a moment. Let's think just a minute. If in our families that we would quit pointing out how wrong each other are and begin to cover it up with love. How would that change the atmosphere in the house? If we began to cover up the weaknesses of our partners, the weaknesses of our children, not that we stick our hand in the sand. That's not what it's saying. Love disciplines. Love does a lot of things, but it, 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 is, it has a whole different nature. You see, the world sees Christians as this is what we do when, when we come across somebody, and right now it's that, that bill that's in North Carolina. We're getting a lot of attention. And I want to make sure I say this right, that we don't have to agree with that bill, bill, and we don't have to have a silent voice. It is the attitude of our heart. It's the condition and the position of our heart and how we portray the love of God in the midst of that that makes the difference. In other words, we should not come across as we're better than you and you're all going to hell if you believe that this ought to be done. That's not the position and the nature of God. The nature of God is this. Don't do that. If you do that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause issues for you. And those issues aren't going to bring about good. They're going to open the door for bad. So I'm going to seek that the kingdom come in that. And not. what we do is we get critical, we get hateful, we get mouthy, and we look just like they do. They they say to us, "You're not tolerant. You're you're bigots. You're this." And we look at them and go, "You're sinners. You're going to hell." We look exactly the same. We're just saying different stuff. And God says. That's not my temperament. 
It's not who I am. Look at look at look with me with at Romans chapter two. Let's look at this. I don't know how much I'm going to read. I think I'm going to start in one and just go and go. Therefore, it starts off with therefore. So you need to find out what the therefore is there for. So in other words, he said something leading up to this, right? He says, you have no excuse, O man, everyone who judges. Don't judge. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you judge, who judge, practice the very same things. Well, you could say, this is what the church says. The church is still rating sin. The church is saying, well, I've never wanted to go to a female bathroom or I've never had an inclination to be a transsexual or I haven't had a problem with, with uh, sexual identity or I, ha I haven't done this. Listen, Jesus said to you and me, if we've ever had one sexual thought that was outside the context of what God intended sexual thoughts to be, then we're as guilty as the rest. And he says, do not judge. Because you who are judging are guilty of the same thing. And if you judge, do you not think you will be judged? Why am I hollering? I'm slightly intense. Apologize for being so intense. But we need to hear it. For in passing judgment on somebody else, you condemn yourself. How did you condemn yourself? By passing judgment. Because you judge and you practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them to yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you, and the answer to that is, what's the answer to that? The answer to that is, no, I know I'm not God. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance? In the New King James Version, it says the tolerance. I hate that word. But he's saying, are you presuming on the kindness and the tolerance and patience, not knowing that it's the kindness and the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. What he's saying to you and me with this passage of Scripture is that there is, for lack of a better term, there's a DNA 
to the goodness of God. That, that word goodness and that word kindness are interchangeable. They're the, they're the same word. If you look in the Greek, they could mean goodness or kindness. So in other words, don't you know that it's the goodness of God or the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? Well, what is the kindness and the goodness of God made up of? The two elements that are listed in this passage of Scripture that, uh, that the goodness and the kindness of God is made up is that He is tolerant and he is patient with you. And because he is tolerant and patient, it leads you to repentance. Aren't you glad God is patient and tolerant with you? And he says to the church today, show the world my tolerance and my patience. Because through that, there's an opportunity that they will repent. It's not hatefulness, Aaron. It's tolerance, patience, because it expresses the kindness of God. We then are called to be the expression of God's goodness. We're called to be the expression of God's goodness. That's the church. We represent God. I can't get over how many times in my life as I raise my children that the Lord says to me, and you hear me say it all the time, I really want you to understand it. First of all, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint God. I hope you're motivated by the fact that you want to please the Lord, that you you don't want to disappoint Him. And one of the ways that I think I do is I set a different standard of judgment on my children than he does me. And oftentimes what he says to me is, do you, are you setting the example of how you want me to treat you? Of how tolerant you want me to be with you? How patient you want me to be with you? Are you setting that? Basically that's what he's saying when we judge something. So we have to be careful that we're not responding out of the flesh. That doesn't mean that we don't call it what it is. That doesn't mean that we don't discipline. Matter of fact, many of our children in the Christian church need to be disciplined a heck of a lot more than they are. That's just a note to self. Put that down. Because unless God forgave you, you'd be just like them. Unless you were redeemed and forgiven, there'd be no difference in you and them. Now look at this real quick. If, let me just talk, I want to talk about this for a second. We're called to be the expression of God's goodness. But to do that, how many of you know that you cannot express the goodness of God without God? <laughs> you figured that out yet? The, that, that, the, the missing link and the gap, it's not God, it's us being the image of God, right? I mean, that's pretty easy. That's why we're here, right? We're here for that. 
I want to practically get a hold of something. How, how, how many, well, I don't even want to ask that because I don't want there to be any guilt. I'm really, I want to be careful with this because I, I want to be sensitive to where you are. But I also want you to understand how it works, okay? Everybody say, I, I get that, Pastor. Now say this with me. I'm not going to feel condemned or judged with what you're about to say. I promise. American Heritage Girls, Royal Ranger Honor. If you haven't had a chance to, to listen to the Don Potter stuff, there's two services you need to listen to both. And then uh, on Wednesday night, we had, and if you're missing Wednesday night, I encourage you, rearrange your schedule. The Lord is speaking to our church more on Wednesday night than I think he is even on Sunday morning as far as a prophetic way. And so if you can be here, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. Wendy Britt came, and she uh, shared her testimony about fasting. And uh, it, it was powerful testimony. And she shared hers, and there was multiple other people in the congregation who had that same thought and expressed that to me in a text message or on email or whatever. Um, and you can listen to it online. So go online. Isn't it up, Joe? Is it, is it on our, it's on our webpage? Yeah, it's on our webpage. It's just voice. It's, just, it's not video. It's audio. Oh, it's video. Okay, good, good. So, so you can watch that uh, as well. I encourage you to take the time to watch that. But this is what she said, and I want you to get this because this is what it's like walking with God. If you're struggling walking with God, this is why. And that's why I want to go over this. This is what Wendy said. This is, this is typical of the struggle. And those of us who fasted food totally for three days, I just want to say, learn something that, that I've never learned before. And... There are some, but very few, with health problems that they, they probably shouldn't do that, but they're very few. They're rare. They're not like all of us. But let me just tell you what I think the Lord is saying to me and is teaching me through this. The first thing is this, is that we allow the church to water down what God intended so that it, so that it, makes, it seems to make it more doable for us. In other words, we come up with the Daniel fast, which just means you don't eat meat for heaven's sakes and not sugar, and we think that's good. God didn't call us to a Daniel fast. He called us to, to, to not eat food. Why? Because it's hard. Not only is it hard, but it's basically impossible unless you're pursuing him. I mean, most of us, it's this pursuit of God that, that we, <laughs> God, this is hard. We get to a place where you go, golly, do y'all do that? Or did you, it was just me. No, it's probably, probably just me. But this is what Wendy said. Wendy said this. She said that, you know, she didn't think she could do it. How many, listen to me, how many of you in your Christian walk have this idea? I don't know if I can do it. I just, I'm walking you down a road that is absolutely unbelievable at the ways of God. 
This is the ways of God. I don't know if I can do it. Well, what I'll do is I'll just I'll just try this little bit. I'm, I'm just going to do I'm going to do protein shakes. Is what she said. I'm going to do protein shakes, and I'm just going to and then, and I'm just going to do it for a day. And then she woke up, and the Lord was there, and she she began to pursue the Lord a little bit in the morning because she knew she was going on fast. And when she and when she stuck her foot in the water of obedience. The Lord was there, and she went, "Hmm, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try not eating." And then, and then she felt the presence of God, and then the Lord started giving her scripture, and and then she said, "Hmm, maybe I won't do lunch." And then the power of God began to come over, and she went, "Hmm, God's here." And then she got some more of the word, and the Lord gave her more instruction. She said, "Hmm." Maybe I won't do dinner. And then before you know it, she's through day one. And then before you know it, she's through day two. And then before you know it, the presence of God is on her, and she's through day three. And God is showing her that when she's weak, he's strong. And at the end, she said, can keep going. It went from a place of defeat, a place of, I can't do this. And she's got some personal reasons why she thought she couldn't do it. All of us had some food disorders. But there were so many of you who as soon as we, this is what I had you say. This is, now say, apply that right now. So many of you, when I said, we're going to fast and we're not going to eat, you went, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing it. You don't have to do that to get God. Some of you said, well, I'm just going to do a little bit. I'm going to do, I'm going to skip coffee. Well, don't put yourself out. <laughs> Not for God's sake. I mean, you know. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> don't be offended. We're laughing. We're laughing because I think God wants to teach you something. Do you have to fast? Do you, do you not do you have to deny yourself food altogether? Let me just say this. No. But yes. God wants to, you to depend on him. He wants you to learn to depend on him. And so he established the fast so that he could teach you how to depend on him. And so there's going to be something that comes with that that teaches you that the very nature of God is this. Where you're weak, I'm strong. If you'll just step in the water, I'll go. If you'll walk around the city, I'll bring the walls down. If you'll do this, I'll come in and I'll be strong for you. I'll knock it down. Heaven will advance in your life if you'll just, if you'll just begin to believe me and walk in this. And so fasting brings us to a place of dependency upon God. And it's just like the Sabbath. 
says you need me. He made the Sabbath for you. Because he knows you need him. And so he made the Sabbath so you get your mind off of you and put it on him. He wants to teach you. He wants to he wants you to depend on him. He wants you to be addicted to him. There's only one addiction, and it's Jesus. And he wants you to see the glory of God and to be the expression of his son. And there's absolutely no way to do that unless you encounter God. And then when you encounter God, you can be tolerant. You can be patient. Because it's that tolerance and that patience that all those people around you need so that they can repent. Maybe, just maybe, let's invert that just a moment. Maybe it's your intolerance and your lack of patience that are keeping them from repentance. Now, Luke chapter 6, read the whole thing, but we're not going to this morning. <laughs> he talks about loving your enemies. Anybody want me to preach on that? No. Okay, it's in there. Go up and read it. But this is the conclusion of Jesus talking to us about, about loving people and being different from the world. What he's comparing us to, he's saying, if you only love those who love you, you're just like the heathen. They can do that. But if you love people who hate you, who despitefully come against you, who make fun of you, who lie about you, if you love them, then this love is, a love is a patient love. It's a tolerant love. It's a love that God has. He says, he says, love your enemies and do good and lend money, your money, to people expecting them not to pay you back. That's in Scripture. Since you want to know the love of God, that He gives freely, that He's a giver, that he honors, that he, he brings things to people and he is expecting nothing in return. He says love like that. Then you're doing something. When you're loving like that, you're doing something. And then he says, he says uh, lend and not expect anything in return and, and, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High God. For he is what? He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Who's he kind to? Who's he tolerant with? Who's he patient with? The ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as God is merciful. That is not a request. That is not a good idea. You know, if you feel like it, you know, if it, if it just hits you just right, you know, the spirit comes on you. 
then you can, and all that is, you know, you do need the Spirit. But, you know, it's not like if you're just making a decision, you know, you're, you're, you're having to be empowered by God to do this. Because you can't do that. We're called to be the expression of God's goodness, and that requires God. What's really amazing is that we think so oftentimes, and it is, it is true, that the spiritual gifts are the sign that we've really been with God. But that's not true. That's, that's not true. In 1 Corinthians, it, it lists, it, it talks about love. It's, it's, it's right in between 12 and 14, chapters 12 and 14, which are talking about spiritual gifts. And it, and it says, you know, if you've got the gift of healing, if you've got the gifts of prophecy, which means you are able, able to uh, pray something or, or give somebody a thought of God that lines up with Scripture, if you prophecy have a word of knowledge, maybe you've got information that you shouldn't have, only God can give, it's a supernatural thing. Or maybe you lay hands on the sick and they're healed. All those through are, are amazing, and God tells us to do all those things. But they are not the evidence of God being with you because God says this to those who come before him. They say to him, well, I cast out demons in your name, and I healed the sick in your name, and I raised the dead in your name. And he said, get away from me, you doers of iniquity. I never knew you. So what is the evidence of the presence in a relationship with God is being able to love like God. Because unless you can love like God, your spiritual gifts are like a clanging cymbal. I think of the little monkey. Y'all ever seen the little monkey that's got the little kick, 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 kick? I wish I'd have brought one up here with me. That's what your spiritual gifts are without the love of God on it. Now, when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 with me, you're going to be amazed because I did it in the New Living Translation because I love, I love the way it's written. But look at what it says. Love is, say it with me, first line. Love is and, oh, come on. Somebody say Hallelujah. Look at me, church. Say this. Say this with me. I never, ever, ever have to struggle with patience because Jesus and the Spirit of God have 100% of the patience that I'll ever need. All I need is him. How? You learn what fasting teaches you. That you have to depend on him. Because love is patient. Love is kind. 
is kind, is tolerant. Love, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. Love is not arrogant, it's not rude. Love doesn't insist on its own way. Let's say that out loud together. Love doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. Did you just hear that? Listen to me. Listen to me. I can't tell you how a number of Christians kind always talk to me about their past when it's abusive when you have an abusive past you need to be healed and there's only one way to be healed and that's to receive the love of God you hear me listen to me you've got to understand and receive the goodness and the kindness of God you've got to begin to see him for what he has done for you because that love is the only way that you're not going to be able to keep a record of wrongs do you see how much outside the box that is do you see that that is impossible to attain in your own flesh? The only way that you can keep no record of wrongs is the Spirit of God is upon you and it allows you the freedom not to hold anything against the ones who've wronged you in the past. Jesus' love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. so we say as we did with the fast I'm not going to do that I'm not willing to do that you really don't have to do that to get God oh can you say that you do don't do it you, you see how we walk with God and how he wants to walk with you there is no way to attain the things that he wants us to attain without him. And so he establishes the fast. He establishes this, this pursuit of him that when we learn to depend on him, he shows up on the scene. And so we're able to love like him. The question that God asked us through this man in the back before he knew what I was talking about today. In this world of confusion and sin, are the people of the United States of America, are they going to see love or hatred? A question from the Lord through a man before we started. I don't know about you, but for your pastor, I need Jesus. It's not my bent. It's not my nature. I'm a high D. 
I want to come to your house and bring pastoral care. I don't want to tolerate or be patient. I want to take care of business. God says, this is how you take care of business. Love like I love. Because if it weren't for my love and you receiving my love, you'd just be like them. And the things in your heart is exactly the same things they're dealing with. And I'll be the one who judges them, but it's my kindness and my tolerance and my patience with them that's going to bring them to repentance. And you're the one to show them what it looks like. If they don't see it in you, they're not going to see it. That's what it means to go make disciples. Is be a witness of the love of God. Is patient. Doesn't keep any record of wrongs but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. We are called to be the expression of God's goodness, and that requires God. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many of you say we need the Lord? You need the Lord. I need the Lord. I need the Lord. Now remember, the word of God was not sent to condemn. The word of God is sent to change us, to renew our minds, to get us to think about something differently than we once did. Right? Michael? We sang a prophetic song that said we say yes. Remember? We're going to obey. Obey changes history. I wanted to insert the word destiny. It redeems history, but it changes your destiny. Right? So we sang this song that, Lord, I say yes, and I say yes to loving like you love. I say yes to these things, but, God, I can't do it. Like fasting, I say I can't do it. Y'all stay, stay right here with me. I know they're moving around, but stay right here. It's important because we've got to make a decision. This is something that you think in your mind. You say, Lord, I, 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 see, I see that. I, I see that scripture. I just don't know if I can do it. How many will say, I just don't know if I can do it. Would you raise your hand with me? I don't, I don't know that I can do it. I'm that way. I don't know if I can do it. Matter of fact, without God, I'm pretty daggone sure I can't do it. I'm pretty sure I can't. And so I have to make a decision that this is God's way and I believe it. Right? And then he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit and give you power so you no longer have to sin. Sin is, is when we try to love in our own flesh. Sin is, is falling short of God's love, right? I mean, it's just not being able to love like God's love. It's off the mark. It misses the mark of the love of God. And so I have to have the grace of God, the power of God that comes through the spirit to be able to love like that. But we have to have this mindset that we're going to honor people. 
We're going to love people. Then we're going to be tolerant with people. Turn to the person to your left or right and say, my tolerance level for you just went up. <laughs> Somebody say, hallelujah, it's about time that happened right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's about time that happened right there. My patience with you is going up. Say that. Tell Tell somebody. Tell like three people. My patience with you is going to go up. And tell them. Tell them. It's not because I want to. God's making me, daggone it. Because I want to be like him. I want to please him. I don't want to disappoint him. I want him to look and see me and say, there's my son. Oh, he, he, he was a little messed up. Oh, but look what my spirit can do through him. Look at what my spirit can do through her. They're a right representative of us. Look, Jesus, they represent us well. Man, if you want to reach a city, if you want to reach your workplace, if you want to reach your families, love in a way that outloves the world. Let me, let me say that again. Love in a way that outloves the world. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.